0: Hey folks, this is Yishai Fleischer of Israel National Radio. I am heading out to the United States on a whirlwind speaking tour, and I want to see you. Check out my website, IonZion.com, E-Y-E-O-N-Z-I-O-N.com. Book the Ion Zion speaking tour today. If you're not coming this summer to Israel, Israel is coming to you. IsraelNationalRadio.com. We're your connection to Israel.
1: Welcome to all of you lovers of Hashem, His Torah, Israel, and the Noahide Nations. I'm your co host, Ray Patterson, along with Prescott Johnson, who I'll bring in here in a minute. But I just want to thank you folks for finding us today and, and joining in today for this show because I guarantee you we got a wild and crazy one coming up. And you'll know what I mean once we get into it. Right, Prescott? Right, Ray. <laughs> yeah and I don't I don't know if get because, in big trouble now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's because
0: we're crazy or just the subject matter in and of itself just tends to lead to wild discussions. Crazy, so, Yeah, it does. How
1: uh, how about all the above? All of the above.
0: It it truly
1: does. And uh, before we get started, though, I I do want to give a shout-out to uh, a friend of mine, a very uh, dear friend, who I met out at the uh, World Conference of the No Hide Nations out in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, Her name is Pam. And Pam was, for those of you who are out at the conference and had the wonderful, life-enriching experience of meeting her, will know what I'm talking about when I say that she was the life of the party. I mean, everybody just loved her, and she just loved everybody else. She's from the United Kingdom, and it was just a joy to have with us. And sadly, she recently became ill. And we've been praying for her, and I just got a recent update that she is doing better and she is feeling better and i would ask everyone to please be praying for pam she's a wonderful lady she is doing well and so i wanted to give her a shout out that pam if you're listening to this show today may hashem bless you may hashem heal you and please be well we are thinking about you yes appreciate the opportunity to be able to say that Uh, pam is a a wonderful lady Hopefully, we'll be able to meet with her again at maybe the next conference. Who knows? Uh, Hashem uh, can can do
0: anything, right? Uh, Yes, he can. And (laughs) when the opportunity permits, he does. (laughs) Right. Hopefully, he'll make this uh, radio show go very smoothly. Uh, Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, last week, you had Jim on, and uh, I guess if you want smooth... Jim's your guy. (laughs) (laughs) Jim is smooth, isn't he?
1: (laughs) Always uh, great to have Jim on the show uh, because he does... Have the gift. I mean, he, he really does, yep. and I knew that right away, and uh, that's why I knew I had to have him on the show. Plus, he had a very exciting topic, so it was it was great to have him. Yeah, it was. But this week's show is exciting from the standpoint that we are continuing on with our journey of will the real Mashiach please stand up. Mm. And today, uh, Prescott and I, after having lengthy discussion regarding emails that we received in response to our initial uh, two shows, we got a lot of response. Some of it very favorable, some of it, well, not so much, and some of it questioning. Uh, our sources and them pointing out their sources, and of course these are the kinds of emails we want to be getting because then we can address those specifically. And Prescott and I are going to have the opportunity to do that today. And uh, depending on how today goes, uh, we may you know have to uh, extend this into next week's show. We, we just don't know where this is going to go, so we're going to uh, give it our best shot to get in as much as we can. Uh, today.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, and, and I guess we can't really count on uh, tying it up too quickly. It's been a, a, a debate that's been going on for 2,000 years and one side just simply refuses to listen, so. Did I say that? Well. Yeah, and you said it out loud. <laughs> I was thinking it, I, okay.
1: <laughs> all right. Okay. And once again, as a reminder to to all of our listeners, neither Prescott or I are here to hurt anybody's feelings. You know, make people feel bad. Uh, we're not here to condemn anybody. All we are here to do is to relay information mm-hmm. and hopefully, uh, you know, continue a a debate. That hopefully will bring some resolution to some people. We know it's not going to bring resolution to all, but we know that it will some. And at a minimum, we hope that you will challenge us and yourself to go ahead and examine what we share with you, and you know, see for yourself. Don't take our word for it. You know, see for yourself. So some of the emails, uh, including, in fact, uh, let's go ahead and just you know kind of jump into some of these things. Uh, somebody had sent in a number of verses, with the the main theme being behind all of these: uh, are these verses true? Mm. And then they're broken down into categories. Uh, one is, you know, lineage, another is the birth, another is the ministry, uh, another is the rejection. We got another one on the death. And so there's, they're all kind of categorized, and uh, you, know, you know, I think these are issues that do need to be addressed because this came from a Christian, and it was very well put together, uh, and it made it easy for us to be able to do our homework and be able to come up with uh, our results. And so we wanted to go ahead and and share these with you. And again, you know, we're not here to, uh, you know, insult anybody or anything like that. So we're not going to uh, mention, you know, this person or person's names uh, on the air or anything like that, because uh, that would be considered Lashon Hara. We're not here to uh, embarrass anybody. And uh, it would almost, you know, uh, murder of a person's character. And we're just not we're not going to do that. Yeah. So anyway. But, but, we have uh, to,
0: but we do have to balance that off with this concern of theft because there are people who don't believe the truth or don't know the truth and uh, it's been taken from them because they've been told things that aren't true. And uh, one of the things that we want to try and bring back into this conversation, particularly uh, with our Christian listeners, is is what is the truth um, regarding These verses, what is the truth? Even, you know, from the philosophical, uh, position that we, we, we look the way that we approach scripture, uh, what is the truth? Because, uh, I was just realizing, um, that, uh, I was watching a a TV show where they were talking about how a doctor was trying to diagnose somebody, and the point was made that, yeah, but you're diagnosing things from, a preconceived, you know, set of uh, ideas about what you think it should be, and and when we've already got our mind sort of made up about things, uh, it can result in us reading something and assuming that it's saying something when it's saying something completely different. And right, it's it's we we read into things what we want to see, and. And that's a, it, that's a warning to all of us, you know, on both sides of this debate that we want to try and become as objective as we can. And we want to uh, make sure that the text that we're using is really fits within the context of the text itself. And that's where most of the problem falls apart with the argument is that quite often the verses that are being used are being pulled out of context. Uh, as uh, which then makes it a, I believe, a pretext.
1: Right. And as far as the the theft aspect of it, uh, there are some there is some recourse for theft having occurred. Mm. And Prescott and I, and anyone for that matter, we can only shed light yep. on that theft. Yeah, the, the the back end of theft, you know, if a person is caught stealing, that person needs to make restitution uh, at, at a minimum, even Stephen, if we can call it that. And then and then some. Uh, so that would fall to the, the pastors, the people who are making these claims and actually the perpetrators of the theft they're the ones who would have to come to you as the one being stolen from and make restitution to you by admitting, you know what, I was wrong. Right. I, I I portrayed it this way. This is not the truth. Uh, so that's one way. The other way is, is that if that's not going to happen, you as a person being stolen from can prevent the theft by studying it out, finding the truth for yourself, and then stop the theft from occurring. Yeah. That's the only two uh, uh, alternatives that you have. Prescott and I can't do either one of those for you. All you can do is shed a light on the truth. Right. So let's go ahead and give that a, a shot right now. Okay. Let's go ahead and, and start with a lineage. The first verse that was sent into us was uh, Genesis 3.15. And the comment is, the Messiah would come from the seed of a woman and not a man, and genesis three fifteen states, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed it shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. now <laughs> uh, this is uh, an, an interesting thing to start off with in terms of will the Messiah be you know, the seed come from a, a man or a woman. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm somewhat confused by that, and I wish there was a little uh, further clarification, but there but there simply wasn't. So I kind of you know, went with uh, some of my own homework, and I'll kind of you know share with you what I came up with on on this verse specifically. The sages, you know, homiletically, they they derive from this that there is an external war between good and our evil inclination, which is represented by the serpent. Uh, the serpent seduces the the Jew to trample the commandments, which, of course, would be the Noahides, the observant Noahides. That it is up to the serpent or our evil inclination to seduce us away from those commandments. But, but it does say that the Jew, or in this case the Noahide, can prevail. By using his head through the study of the Torah. So the trampling is done with the heel, and the prevailing is done with our heads in the study. Obviously, and I, I, you know, I'm not sure where this fits into his, you know, the comment that the Messiah would come from the seed of a woman or not a man, because the verse simply has nothing to do with that, nor does it even come close. Um, the 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 seed and you know your seed and her seed, you know obviously a, a child is going to be born from a woman, and and you know you have to have partnership with a man, uh, and that would be for everybody, you know, whether whether you're a messiah or not. I mean, all of us in essence are children of Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. I mean, right? I mean, unless I'm missing something. I mean, when you hear that verse, Prescott, is there something that I'm missing that, is, is, that kind of makes the point that they're trying to make?
0: Well, it, it because, again, if, if you go looking, um, let's say if you're going to go looking for a needle in a haystack, you're going to ignore all of the hay until you find the needle that you're looking for. And as a result... When you, when you are trying to justify the idea of the virgin birth, then you're going to look for that needle that seems to support your view, which is what they're doing here. They're trying to say that, that this here is a unique statement about, um, about the Messiah coming from the seed of a woman. And in fact, the, the text is very clear. It's speaking to Eve. It's not speaking... Right it's not speaking in a general sense, it's speaking in a very specific sense, because Eve did this, then this is a comment or a, uh, uh, I was going to say a condemnation of sorts to Eve. And therefore it is Eve who is, uh, is the person who is involved in this conversation, not Mary thousands and thousands of years later. Because there's nothing here that indicates that it should have been something, you know, thousands of years down the road that was going to be uniquely fulfilled by the Messiah. And this is one of the problems is that if you go looking for a messianic prophecy, um, and you've already got your Messiah chosen, then you can, you can read into the text what you want to see. So
1: oh, absolutely, and that's one of the things that I tried to do is not do that yeah uh, i just I just took the point they were trying to make, use the verse, and tried to find within the verse how they were able to justify that point, yeah, yeah, and in my estimation they they didn't they didn't make the point other than you know beyond the common sense. Mm. Yes, the, the, the seed of the Messiah and everyone else in creation is going to come from uh, the, the woman. Yeah. And that seed, of course, is fertilized by the man. So without the two, you, you, you can't have anything. So, uh, uh, but this is talking about uh, uh, the woman. I mean, the serpent represents our evil inclination, mm-hmm. you know, uh, our desire to do that which is against Hashem. And so that's what this is uh, has to do with, uh, not anything to do with, you know, a, a prophecy of, of sorts that the Mashiach is going to come from uh, a woman, even though we know that that is going to be true. Right. <laughs> it's it's inevitable. It can't not be. So, uh, and again, if if you had, you know, it could very well be that they gave the wrong. Uh, chapter and verse. They meant to give me, give us something different, Prescott. I just don't know. So, if they're out there, I mean, you, you know who you are. You know, if you feel like this was the wrong chapter or wrong verse or both, please let us know. And again, make your point and maybe we'll be able to see it a little bit better and address it from that vantage point. But it's Genesis 3.15. So, I'll leave that in, you know, in their good hands. So, um, and you know, here's uh, uh, the the next one that we can dive into, and I love, I just I, I love this because it gives us stuff to specifically speak on. Uh, this one is uh, Genesis 12:3, and the point is, the Messiah would be descended from the seed of Abraham. And of course, this is still in the category of lineage, and Genesis 12:3 tells us, "And I will bless those who bless you and curse him who curses you, and in you shall all families of the earth be blessed." Now, uh, you know, my simple question is, okay, in this verse, where do I see the Messiah being descended from Abraham? Even though, I mean, we know subsequent to this that the Mashiach indeed is going to be from the line of David, which is indeed ultimately from the line of Avraham. I mean, that we know. But this particular verse, in no way, shape, or form, at least in my estimation, uh, uh, is a a proof text that the Mashiach is going to be uh, from the seed of of Avraham. Uh, does it to you uh, Prescott I mean here again am I missing something
0: no i am you know i'm rereading this even as we're doing the show here and i i might be on the verge of a breakthrough no nope, no it's, oh my it's God. not there let me get my seatbelt on <laughs> it's, it's not there no <laughs> you're right Ray. it's not there um well well, <laughs> well here's here's the thing and and by the way if if ray and i laugh While we're doing this, it's not because we're making fun of anybody. Uh, we're, there, there, it, sometimes it becomes so, and I understand when you have invested your entire life, your entire psyche into this, that you want everything to point to a particular conclusion. The problem is, is that from a plain reading of the text, and unfortunately I don't know Hebrew well enough to quote the Hebrew, but, uh, you know, if you just go f- a few verses before, the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your native land and from your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make you great. You shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse him that curses you, and all the families of the earth shall bless themselves by you. I'm reading from the JPS uh, version, which isn't a Greatest version, but um, the what do you read there that says that this is anything messianic? Uh, Well, (laughs) yeah, I I mean, that's the question (laughs) we know we know only because later prophecy comes along and says that there would be a descendant of David well, then backwards logic would tell you that, okay, we go back to Abraham, and and certainly Abraham, obviously, he's going to descend from Abraham, but that's not because there's any prophecy that says he's going to descend from Abraham, or at least not from this text. And even if it was, it doesn't prove anything specific about Jesus or unique about Jesus that wouldn't also apply to the Messiah when he appears.
1: Uh, Well, that would, you know, based on this uh, idea. This line of thinking, uh, every
0: Jewish male yep. is the Messiah. Oh, it, it, even worse than that, because uh, I mean, the children of Ishmael were descended from. Oh, uh, there
1: you go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And here I go. I'm. I keep going to you know the lineage of of uh, David. Yeah. Uh, but you're you are entirely correct. Based on that line of thinking, that's what it means uh and you know of course the uh, the blessings and the curses were actually uh, uh discussed later in Torah when the tribes mm-hmm. went up onto the, you know, part of the tribes, half the tribes went up on one mountain, the other half went up on the other mountain, and the one mountain they were shouting out the blessings, and then on the other mountain they were shouting out the curses, and these were, you know, this really brought it into perspective yep. what that was, what the blessings and curses represented based on the keeping of Torah or the not keeping. Of Torah, but it also is an indication here in this verse that Hashem is telling uh, Abraham that your people, you and your descendants will be blessed by others, and as a result, those others will be blessed by you. Mm -hmm. Same holds true. For the curses. Now, it's also interesting is the indication that you just made. Is that you know does that does that now include Ishmael? Yeah. In that same blessings and curses, uh, logically and you know at a Peshat level, you would have to say yes. Uh, but for the most part, uh, I believe we all lean more towards uh, it being meant for the Jewish people.
0: Yeah, and I think that. If- because i know that this is one of the one of the things that paul brings into this discussion in the new testament is he makes this point that uh when it talked about abraham and his seed it was a singular uh it wasn't the plural seed meaning all of his children it was a singular seed and so paul tries to indicate that this here is uh, about uh about jesus but if you actually think about it uh you realize that of the two children that Abraham initially had plus the later children with his other wives after Sarah had passed that what you have is you do have the one seed through whom the promise passed through which was through Isaac and not through Ishmael so that was the singular seed Right.
1: Well, listen, Prescott, we're bumping up against the bottom of the hour, so we need to, uh, race ourselves right on out of here. Uh, folks, stick around. We're just getting started. Uh, we will see you on the other side.
0: Get your very own copy of the New York Times from May 15, 1948, declaring the state of Israel's independence. <inaudible> a full size reprint of the entire newspaper covering Israel's re establishment. Own a piece of history. Click on IsraelCelebrates60.com. Over 25,000 copies have been distributed. That's Israel Celebrates, the number 60.com. Kidashta, a community Judaica store in the heart of Moda'in. Kidashta, a classy yet moderately priced Judaica store in the center of Jerusalem. Kidashta, a full-service website that introduces quality products, books, silver, jewelry, and mezuzot. Kidashta, the personal touch in the bell tower in downtown Jerusalem. And Kidashta, Moda'in in the Kaiser neighborhood. And of course, www.Judaica4U, the numeral 4, the letter U, dot com.
1: and welcome back folks. Uh, you're listening to the Noahide Nation show and uh, we appreciate you uh, sticking around for the second half of the show. Well Prescott and I have been addressing some of the emails that have been sent to us that were generated from our first couple shows on the uh, series that we're, we're doing that uh, called will the real, well the let me get this out now will the real Messiah please stand up? And sometimes even I get confused. But uh, it's, so, it's so interesting, Prescott, because before we had to race out of the first segment due to time, uh, you were talking about Isaac. And interestingly enough, the very next thing that we uh, get into here is Genesis 17:19, And the point they're trying to make is that uh, the Messiah would be descended from the seed of Isaac. Well, let me go ahead and read verse 19. It says, And God said, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son indeed, and you shall call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. So why don't you go back to what you were just sharing uh, with us about uh, Isaac?
0: Well, Isaac essentially was the second son of Uh, a number of sons that Abraham had. Most people aren't aware that after Sarah had died, he had uh, remarried and had other children. But the story in the Torah concerns itself largely with the story uh, of Ishmael and Isaac. And of the two, that there was a choice that was made in terms of who the chosen people would emerge from. Okay? Now, if you're going to make this about the messiah and everything is about the messiah which christianity does you know because it's necessary for their faith then everything has to point towards jesus but the text here is really not about where it's not worried about jesus it's not worried even about the future messiah it's about the nation it's about the chosen people that god would give the torah to and that person who would be the line from Abraham was Isaac that God chose. Mm-hmm. And we we know this from reading the story, clearly that that was the choice that was made. And so this prophecy isn't a prophecy about messianic ambitions. This is a prophecy about who the line uh, the the covenant would be passed on to. So we... Read in that first text in uh, Genesis 12 that there was a covenant that was being made. and we see here that there was a covenant that was confirmed, if you want to say it that way, or reconfirmed, in Isaac, not to Ishmael. Again, back to this this uh, idea in the you know Paul argues in the New Testament that that it was a promise to the seed, And therefore, he concludes that this is about the one person, Jesus. Whereas in the Torah, we understand that it is about the child, Isaac, who the promise was being given to. And we see it confirmed in Genesis 17 here that the Isaac uh, that Isaac uh, that uh, Hashem says, I will maintain my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant. So that was the seed of Abraham that that was receiving this covenant. Right
1: so. so so really the verses is really Hashem uh, saying that uh, Isaac will have the covenant, and this is how the covenant is going to be perpetrated. it's going to be through Isaac only right. It has well, absolutely that... nothing whatsoever to do with Jesus or anyone else being a Messiah. Now, most certainly, if you want to establish that Jesus came through the Davidic line, which, of course, came through Isaac, then of course. But guess how many other Jews came through the same line? I mean, uh, you, you know, it's, it's not going to work. It can't be used as a proof text for that.
0: No um, in fact, all you're all you're doing is you started out with Eve and that just narrowed it down to every male born since that time. Then you narrow it down to Abraham so that you know narrows it down to the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Ishmael. Well, now we've got this narrowed down to Isaac. I assume we're going to narrow it down a little further.
1: <laughs> well, and I don't really know that because I think that's what they're attempting to do here. Because the next one is the Messiah would be descended from the seed of Jacob. And then we have the Messiah would be descended from the seed of Jesse. Then we have the Messiah would come from the tribe of Judah. All of which is true. But the verses, uh, you know, seed of Jacob, Genesis twenty-eight fourteen. seed of Jesse, Isaiah eleven twelve. And tribe of Judah, Genesis 49:10. Mm. So let's give them the fact that this is all true. It still does not point to a man called Jesus as being a God or a savior or, or, or any kind of, of Messiah. It, it simply it does not prove it. None of these do. Even cumulatively, it does not
0: prove that yeah there's there's no uniqueness from these verses looking at them. there's nothing that points to Jesus uniquely fulfilling those that make these therefore uh, proof positive messianic prophecies you know it, it's it's kind of it's kind of like being if you were adopted and you didn't know who your biological father was, and somebody said well, he has two eyes and he has hair, and he has two legs, that's as relevant to helping someone find their biological father as using these verses to determine the uniqueness of Jesus as the Messiah prophesied by the scriptures. That's
1: a great Uh, example. That's a great example. Excellent.
0: you know, you, you you want to get into the more specific things of what uniquely qualifies him as the Messiah if you're going to make the claim that he's the Messiah. And the reason why we reject him as the Messiah is because of the... Uh, I mean, the number keeps growing because if you go to different uh, Christian websites, uh, you start off with uh, just over a 100 prophecies pointing to Jesus as a Messiah to other sites which point to more than 600 prophecies... Uh, in fact, I, I thought it was kind of funny because on one it actually had 666, uh, proofs. <laughs> 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 and, um, oh,
1: uh, anyway, You'd think at that point they would have made up an, uh, one extra just to get uh, off the 666. At,
0: <laughs> at least, at least. But, you know, this year, here, this year's the thing is that you have, you have these great number of prophecies which to the Christian mind, and we had shared this with our Yahoo, uh, uh, the Noah High Nations Yahoo group, and had gotten some feedback from some folks. And, and this is one of the things that came back is that, you know, the this idea to the Christian mind that we have all these fulfilled prophecies, it only means something to the person who's already accepted Jesus as the only conclusion. But the minute that you Begin looking at these texts and realize, well, there's nothing specific in that text that points to Jesus. Then you have to look at the things that do uniquely qualify who the Messiah is from the Torah. And when we look to those things, all of a sudden, Jesus doesn't look like such a great candidate. And we'll get to that later on. But that's really why we're going through these verses and why we're reading them, is that if you were to read them, there's nothing in those verses that you would say, this is about Jesus. It's you just can't come to that conclusion if you are being fair-minded,
1: right? And uh, these these verses were submitted to us uh, by yeah. uh, presumably a, a Christian, and a true so believer. We're just, use, we're just using what they provided us and are responding uh, to that. I mean, that's basically it in the nutshell. And in fact, yeah. we kind of touched on some of what's coming up in our in our first two shows, but. You know let's uh you know get into this whole uh a birth thing and you know maybe even you know present it from a a different standpoint and this is often used with regards to the birth they're they're claiming that the Messiah would be heir to the throne of David, and they're using isaiah uh nine eight and uh second Samuel seven thirteen and I do believe they were talking about isaiah nine five Uh, because 9.5 is the one that uh, the whole of Christianity uses, and that is, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government is upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor of the Mighty God and the Everlasting Father of the Prince of Peace. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, and, and many preach, I'll call it, that he is the Prince of Peace. And that uh, there would forever be peace. And, you know, all, all of this and the you know, wonderful council. And, of course, this has nothing to do with Jesus or... Just i mean it has no, it's, it makes makes no claim of any messianic, messianic uh, messiah or anything of that type, and in fact, if we were to look at somebody you know called a, a prince of peace and insert the name uh, Jesus, I would submit that Jesus was nothing of the kind and i'll guarantee you i'm going to get some emails on that prescott but <laughs> I, I, I mean <laughs> I would like to use some of the you know, Old Testament, old, uh, not the Old Testament, I want to use some of the New Testament. That's how far away I've gotten from it. I want to use some of their own text in Jesus' own words. You know, just, you know, for example, uh, one of his, one of the better teachings, uh, at least the one that is, is often used by Jesus and by the preachers who preach about Jesus, is Luke 6.29. And that says, if someone smites you on one cheek, turn the other cheek. Well, you know what? This might have been a, a you know beautiful, uh, you know, ideal, you know, idea is a beautiful thing to say, but even Jesus Himself did not live up to this. I mean, when when uh, one of the high priest officers struck Him, Jesus didn't turn the other cheek at all. What did He do? He, I mean, the, 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 their own gospel tells us, and this, this is in John uh, eighteen twenty three. If I spoke, or if I, if I misspoke. State it in evidence at my trial. If I spoke well, then why did you smite me? You know, so we see here that, you know, Jesus just didn't, you know, turn away meekly and quietly submit. He actually challenged it. <laughs> right, so how does that relate to you know turning the other cheek? You know that's just one example. Here's another lovely example. It's the the, the Sermon on the Mount. And I gosh, I remember being a, a Christian, and these things just sounded so unbelievably good that you're just overwhelmed with with it. It's kind of like watching that movie uh, that Sarah, that Sandra Bullock was just in. Oh gosh, I can't for, for life me the name is escaping me right now. I wish it didn't. Uh, about the football player. Uh, but anyway, uh here, here <laughs> I didn't see it. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, but anyway, this is in Matthew 5:43 where he teaches love your enemies and bless yeah. those who curse you and do good to those who hate you. And once again, this might be a fine lesson, but even Jesus himself did not live up to it. Uh, in fact, he declared, uh, you know, about his enemies, and this is in Luke 19:27. And I challenge you to go ahead and look it up for yourself. Luke 19:27. It says, "Take my enemies, who would not have me rule over them, bring them here and kill them before me." Who? Huh? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> that's that's the peaceful Jesus. Okay. You know, and I mean, I can, I can cite many examples. There's, you know, Matthew 522. There's Matthew, you know, 1030, John 336, John 35. I can go on and on and on and cite you examples of, uh, Jesus preaching of, of peace and how to be peaceful. And at the same time, he himself doesn't even do it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I this verse here, uh, Isaiah nine five, is not a convincing argument, and it is not even a a prophecy in the messianic age or about about the Messiah. This is about a different son altogether. But again, it's just it's taken out of context.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, and not to uh, not to play devil's advocate, I just know that there are going to be some Christians who are going to say, well, you guys are worried about context uh, when we're reading the uh, the Torah, and uh, you're not applying the same rules when you're reading the New Testament, because if you read that in context. The point that Ray is making is that Christians advocate certain idealisms that they draw from the teaching of Jesus. That they quote Jesus and they make conclusions about how one should live their life, including things like turning the other cheek and loving your enemies and, and so on and so forth. And what Ray is pointing out is a very legitimate problem that the, the, um, the teaching where, uh, because I believe the text where it's uh, talking about bringing, uh, his enemies before him and slaying them is about an end time uh, kind of a end time judgment but it is it is this question then of at what point is the justice of the history of the world plays out and in the middle and so that at the end even jesus says at the end there is going to be a a judgment that is going to be given uh, according to what you do but in the middle you have jesus telling his followers to turn the other cheek and to not you know to to exemplify certain behaviors that seem to run contrary to what the torah teaches now one of the examples of that and i hope i don't get too far off the the trail in this one of the examples of that is where uh, a man comes to Jesus and he says, you know, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus says, who made me a judge? Well, according to the prophecies about the branch of David, is that he would do justice. Mm -hmm. And this young man came to Jesus saying, give me justice. And Jesus said, who made me a judge? You're just greedy. In fact, the follow cuz the follow verse, he says, uh here here's here's what it says. Someone in the crowd said to him, "Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me." Jesus replied, "Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you?" Then he said to them, the crowd, "Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed." He called the man greedy. <laughs> the man was just looking for justice and Jesus said, I'm not interested in justice. I'm not interested in judging right from wrong and who who did right and who did wrong here. And this to me is a problem because in Jeremiah, it says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch. All Christians believe that this refers to Jesus. And he will reign as king and act wisely. Jesus did not do that. And do justice. And he didn't do that and do justice and righteousness in the land in his days judah will be saved and israel will dwell securely if this is about jesus then this has not happened because judah didn't dwell uh, wasn't saved and israel didn't dwell in security during the time of jesus and after the time of jesus certainly this did not happen but what we see here is we see that there is this mixture of language of where at one time it sounds like there's just this very uh, you know a very a clear sense that there was going to be ultimate justice for the enemy and yet he's telling uh he's telling his followers to not try and do justice in the world then and now just let it all sort of you know work itself out till the end and then god will sort it out in the end and this was not what we are called to do not what torah calls us to do because what we're called to do is we are actually called to establish justice mhm not to wait for it to happen and work itself right. out over time and it doesn't
1: happen by itself i mean uh, no. it's a it's a course of action
0: right and so this is this is the this is how it's how it it really lacks what you, what I think you, what, what I think Christians need to understand is that the Torah system in its entirety is a system to live by. And it only, only through study do we come to appreciate how valuable and how indispensable it is as a guide. But when I come to the teaching of Jesus, where he makes certain statements, that on the face sounds very nice and very hippie-esque and, you know, let's grow flowers on the side of a hill and then measure it up about, well, how does this really impact the real world? I mean, in fact, I say that one of the problems that we have in the world today, not to get off topic, is the fact that there are too many Christians who are waiting for God to divinely intervene and make things right in the world instead of getting off of their backsides and actually transforming the world, which is what the Torah calls us to do. And I find it interesting that there are some Christians who do get involved in trying to change the world. And unfortunately, too many of them end up doing so in a very socialistic way, which I have a personal problem with. But to me, it's kind of like you want to serve it off of both sides of the plate. The bottom side and the top side of wanting wanting a wait-and-see solution to the problems of the world, while at the same time trying to employ solutions that aren't solutions because they're based on things like people shouldn't own their own property, and we should just share with everybody, and we should just go sell all our possessions and give to the poor, and that's their solution for the radicals. And then on the other side, you have those that are just like, we shouldn't worry about the environment. Because Jesus is going to come back and He's going to solve all these problems.
1: Right. And, that, and you're right. That in and of itself is a big problem. Yeah. And, and guess guess what, Prescott? We mentioned this uh, on our when we were in our, our break. How fast it went. Guess what? This second Flew half went, went even <laughs> faster. I think. But just to uh, touch on that, you know, Samuel two, uh, it says uh, verse thirteen, He shall build a house for My name. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. This is in the category of birth. But this doesn't indicate anything about a Messiah being born. And if anything, it's talking about a King David's throne, which will ultimately wind up with the Mashiach, who is of the line of David, and he will build it, and ultimately it wasn't King David, it was actually his son Solomon that uh, wound up building it King David just took great pleasure in gathering everything for it and then his son actually built it but the throne that's being established is the throne of King David forever which is the, the Messianic the, the Mashiach is being brought down through the line of King David so, uh, right. but again, it has absolutely nothing to do or any kind of indication that it is the Messiah building the temple, that the Messiah is was born, uh, or anything of that kind. It's just a complete misinterpretation of the facts, or I should mm-hmm. say the text and the facts. Yep. But anyway, Prescott, we need to get jump on out of here because we're going <laughs> to get in big time trouble. Folks, listen... Get back with us next week. Prescott and I are going to continue on with this journey. And we hope that you'll all join us. And we do appreciate you being with us here today. Thanks again. Shalom, shalom. Shavuotam.
0: Planning a trip to Israel? You need a licensed tour guide. See Israel like you've never seen it before. Israel National Radio's own Mayor Eisenman will take you around the country for an educational and fun experience. Each tourist gets a personally designed tour based on his preferences. The land of the Bible comes alive in the hands of an energetic and experienced tour guide. Visit www.israelbymayor.com. That's Israel by Mayor, M-E-I-R. Or email directly at israelbymayor at gmail.com. Get on that Internet. Find out what's really happening at IsraelNationalRadio.com. Arut Sheva is the place to get what's happening in Israel. Hi, this is Navy Charles. I live in front of the hotel. I'm now speaking from a IsraelNationalRadio.com.
1: You people who are listening to me should make sure that they come to Israel, or if they live here, then they should make sure that they listen every day. So if you aren't living in Israel now, you should get on your horse quick and come.